Welcome to The Refresh from Insider. I'm Rebecca Barra. And I'm Dave Smith. It's Monday, October 31st, and we've got the latest news you need and want to know. Plus, we'll talk to someone who listed her work experience as a sex worker on her LinkedIn profile. You know what? This is powerful. This is worthy of being out in the world as something that I am proud of, and I want to celebrate that. But first, here's the latest. The people of Brazil have spoken, and they say they are ready for a new president. Jair Bolsonaro is out, and Luis Inácio Lula da Silva, but you can call him Lula, is in. The 77-year-old leftist made history here. Even though he served as president from 2003 to 2010, this is the first time that a sitting president in Brazil failed to win re-election. Bolsonaro, the current president and global far-right icon, faced a lot of criticism, especially for his poor handling of the pandemic and the deforestation of Brazil's beloved Amazon rainforest. The election was tight. Lula won with just 50.9% of the vote. There are concerns that Bolsonaro, who has dabbled in voter fraud conspiracy, will not give up power peacefully. A historic century-old bridge in India collapsed Sunday, leaving at least 140 people dead. The popular tourist attraction had just reopened four days ago in Gujarat following seven months of repairs. Local media says the bridge was over capacity. More people than usual were out because of the Hindu festival season. Rescuers scrambled to find survivors throughout the night. Prime Minister Narendra Modi promised funds for survivors, and officials are now questioning whether repairs were rushed in order to open for the holidays. Officials in South Korea are investigating what may have caused the Saturday night stampede that killed at least 154 people. The tragedy unfolded when a crowd of Halloween partygoers surged into a narrow downhill alley in the Itaewon district of Seoul. It's unclear what caused the chaos, but authorities have begun analyzing CCTV footage and interviewing witnesses. In addition to the death count, 149 people were injured, 33 of which are in serious condition. Most of them were in their teens, 20s, and 30s. Two men who were wrongfully convicted of killing Malcolm X will receive $36 million. Mohammed Assis and Khalil Islam were exonerated last year, only after they spent decades behind bars and a lifetime living with stigma, despite there being no evidence linking them to the assassination. Assis is now 84 years old, but Islam died in 2009. His estate will receive the funds. The New York City Law Department says it hopes the financial agreement will bring, quote, some measure of justice to the men and their families. An eight, eight-year-old boy has become the youngest climber ever to ascend the El Capitan rock face in Yosemite National Park. Sam Adventure Baker, yes, that is his real actual name, spent four days climbing the 3,000-foot-tall wall of rock with a team of three others, including his father. But the accomplishment is a little controversial. The group used a method called jugging, where one person climbs ahead to lay ropes. Some hardcore climbers say it's not real climbing because you're basically just using the rope to go up instead of actually interacting with the mountain. But you know what, Sam? I still think it's a big deal. Congrats, dude. (laughs) 
Make sure to check back in at the end of your day so you can be up to date with the latest news. And hey, if you like what you hear, give us a rating and review. And as always, thanks for listening. Russia is once again blocking Ukrainian grain exports, which really isn't ideal, not only because Russia is defying a deal the UN brokered, but because Ukraine's grain supply is super important for fighting world hunger. And true to form, Russia is blaming Ukraine, saying it's blocking exports because Ukrainian forces staged a drone attack on a fleet of Russian ships, which Ukraine denies. President Biden says Russia's blockade is, quote, outrageous. Bad news if you're me, or anyone with the treasured blue checkmark on Twitter, under new chief twit Elon Musk, having that easily identifiable blue verified badge might soon become a paid feature of Twitter. That's according to platformer run by longtime tech journalist Casey Newton. And The Verge says the cost of that verification tier subscription would be, am I reading this right? Oh boy, $19.99 a month. Musk is said to hate advertising, which is how Twitter currently makes most of its money, so he wants to bring in revenue with subscriptions. But $20 a month to have a blue check next to my name? I'm good. For that money, I'd rather have another streaming service. Dogecoin has been moving over the last few days. Elon Musk's favorite meme cryptocurrency saw a 90% jump in value over the last week, and it's now reached a market cap of over 10 billion real dollars. The coin has become a proxy for public sentiment about Musk, who closed his Twitter deal last week, as we all know. But we're also seeing a massive liquidation movement of Dogecoin, where traders don't have enough funds to keep the trade open and they lose big. Over $89 million in liquidations since Friday and north of $27 million in just the last day or so. Dogecoin is now the sixth largest cryptocurrency in the world. The industrial tech giant Emerson Electric is selling a majority stake in its climate technologies business to Blackstone Inc. That's according to the Wall Street Journal. This is big because there's not many deals like this happening given the current state of the market. Banks are not willing to shell out the type of debt financing they would need in normal times, but Blackstone is unique. The massive private equity firm was able to sell $5.5 billion worth of debt by itself. Emerson's climate tech business sells products in what's seen as a hot market, basically upgrades for residential and commercial heating and cooling systems. After 37 consecutive weeks without a winner, tonight's Powerball jackpot has once again crossed the billion-dollar mark, or 144th the selling price of Twitter. This is only the second time Powerball has reached a billion, so, you know, maybe buy a ticket for yourself, just in case. Still, the chances of winning here are small. One in 292 million, according to the New York Times. Over the summer, Ariel Agosi quit her job. She left great pay and benefits as brand director at a career development startup, and like many of us do, updated their LinkedIn profile to include their life change, with one notable addition to their CV, sex work. Ariel had been doing it as a side hustle for the better part of two years, so they decided to list it as experience, along with a post explaining why. A post that eventually blew up on the news and social media. Ariel, thanks for being here to talk about it. Yeah, thanks for having me. You write that this LinkedIn post explaining why you were listing sex work in your experience put you, quote, in the crossfire of a movement you didn't mean to start. 
What were the days like for you after this post? Oh, gosh, it was... (laughs) It was a lot of me like huddled on the couch, crying, my partner, like monitoring all the comments. It was a lot of white men, sometimes women, sort of saying these very awful and threatening things. And I was like, wait a minute, your face is here. Your name is here. Your employers are all like tagged in this, like in your profile. And you have no problem and no fear because you know you're not going to get any consequences from like saying this stuff. Huh. And it wasn't even like anonymous trolls. No. On Twitter. <laughs> it was really unexpected. Although, you know, plenty of people thought that I was being super savvy and, you know, making a controversial post to get more views to my LinkedIn profile or like whatever it was. The reason I posted that was really for my own accountability, for my own um just sort of reclaiming of power. Was posting about your sex work on LinkedIn a form of freedom? Absolutely. It was a form of taking ownership of an invisible identity and being able to put it out on the table. It was really an act of of self-love for me, of self-celebration, of wanting to step away from the shame and isolation and, um, and just judgment that I have also placed on myself for doing this work and hearing the voices of others in my head and saying, you know what, this is powerful. This is worthy of being out in the world as something that I am proud of. And I want to celebrate that. So the culture is slowly changing, but people still associate sex work with disempowerment, objectification, and trauma. But you say that those words better describe your experience in quote unquote professional environments. I mean, yeah, I think the feeling of, you know, being the only queer person in a room and having your bosses sort of look at you whenever there's anything like queer related and ask to explain or ask to correct. And same goes with as a representative for all Latinas, as a representative for, you know, whatever it is. And that just ends up putting so much pressure and it's hard and it's uncomfortable. And that that feels like I'm being objectified. That also feels incredibly dehumanizing. I'm here asking you questions about sex work. Yet you say that the original post wasn't solely about sex work at all, that we all miss the point. What did we miss? The focus is really on the American work ethic and the workplaces we find ourselves in. And, you know, this at least for me, the millennial experience and this sort of, you know, you can be whatever you want to be and the world is your oyster and keep going and hashtag girl boss, hashtag hustle culture. I've done all those things. And it's absolutely like destroyed my mental health. And also hasn't set me up for the future, hasn't set me up for, you know, a financial windfall. It hasn't set me up to own a house. And I have so many privileges. And yet, I haven't been able to feel safe in a work environment ever. I haven't been able to feel empowered in a work environment ever. Like not everyone is a sex worker. Not everyone has to be a sex worker. That was my experience of what showed me how working in a space that thrives on boundaries, on communication, on commitment, on transparency, on talking about money up front, on emotional labor being valued, that universe helped me reflect and give a lens and a framework to look at all the other work experiences I'd had that were completely the opposite. I'm not the only one with, you know, 
with these experiences or with my mental health in the gutter, having been in these spaces, there's nothing I can do about it anymore, except be an example of what it can look like to make different choices to, you know, take the steps that I need to take care of myself, um, and ultimately, hopefully give permission to others to be able to figure out that path for themselves, that is ultimately giving them power and giving them confidence and giving them a full sense of self instead of stripping all that away. Ariel, thank you so much for chatting. Thank you, Rebecca, so much. This was fun. Ariel Agozi is a writer and creative consultant. Make sure to follow The Refresh from Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also just tell your smart speaker to play the latest edition of The Refresh from Insider. And please leave us a rating and review. It helps other people discover the show. I'm Dave Smith. And I'm Rebecca Ibarra. Thanks for listening to The Refresh from Insider.